Welcome to the Trust Your Gut Podcast. I'm your host, Demi Fair. Here we dive into the world of the mind-body connection, exploring the gut-brain axis, microbiome, and nervous system while harnessing the power of intuition and connection to spirit. If you struggle with chronic digestive and mental stress and are tired of trying just one more diet or supplement to address your symptoms, then this is the place for you. Join me as we learn from the world of science and medicine, but also from nature, our own inner knowing, and personal stories. Thank you for tuning in, and now it's time to trust your gut. Hello, hello, welcome back to the Trust Your Gut podcast. So on the day that I'm recording this, it is the two-year anniversary since I released the very first episode of this podcast. And oh, it feels like a really cool marker for me um, because, you know, people ask me like, how long have you been doing your business? And I'm always like, um, I don't know, maybe two years, two and a half years, because I don't know about any of you, but time for me has been just such a lost whirlwind in my mind. I think primarily because of the pandemic um, and maybe just getting older, but I like have a really hard time really understanding how long I've been like living back in the place I'm living or how long I've been doing my business or whatever. But Luckily, I have something like a podcast where I can see when I've released all the episodes and the first one was two years ago. So um, here we are. What I wanted to do for this episode was to just reflect a little bit on the last two years. And some of that's going to be, you know, what I've learned in the work that I'm doing in this business, you know, maybe how some of my beliefs, understandings and views of gut healing, gut brain healing, nervous system work, trauma work has unfolded for me, how it's shifted, how it's changed. And maybe also just an overall look at life in the last two years. So I don't exactly know where this is going to go. I have a couple things that I've written down that I was like, yeah, this feels like something that's shifted or really established itself in my knowledge. But of course, you know, being on this business journey, wow, it's been a lot the last two years. And I'll just start by reflecting on that. Um, I was maybe working with a couple one-on-one clients before I launched the podcast, but around the podcast time is when I kind of finalized my website. I I got this free guide out, um, which I don't really offer anymore. And started to you know slowly get some people on the email list and um it was a very slow start uh but this is kind of when it started was all around this time two years ago and it's also the time i pretty much went full time into this business like um i did and i have been over the last two years picking up gigs, um, different gigs of things I do. Sometimes I I have this nanny job that I do once a year. Um, Sometimes I've done some like modeling, did some other tutoring and mentoring and stuff 
throughout that time but it's kind of crazy to think that like for the last two years now I've been pretty much fully focused on this business and um you know we're still we're still working hard to get it fully off the ground and get in front of enough people and that process of committing to something has been well it's it's committing to this business never really knowing when I'll get paid next or how much I'll get paid and you know for the last two years there's definitely been this overall stress and anxiety around that right like it's a really hard journey to venture out on you're putting yourself out there it's a lot of work to create podcast episodes and you know social media content and design your own website and um, you know like design the quiz that I offer that took me months to make that quiz and the quiz results or the guide that I used to offer um, and now like the master class that I'm running and um, and then of course my program took me a whole year <laughs> to develop. And then I went back and redid it, like redid aspects of it again. And then you want to redo aspects of your website. And, you know, then it's like learning how to do all of this stuff and learning about ads and whatever. And, you know, it's been such an amazing journey, although it's been really tough at times. And there's been moments where I have felt really overwhelmed, really anxious, really stressed, Um, financially or just with all that's on my plate and how will I ever get it done and am I doing enough and like it feels like it doesn't matter sometimes like nobody is even listening nobody's seeing I'm putting stuff out on you know nobody ever responds or sees stuff on social media the algorithm you know all these different things um, can make it feel really you can feel kind of defeated And it definitely brings up a lot of fears, Um, just if, you know, it's going to work out, it brings up, I haven't had too much imposter syndrome, luckily, just because I feel so in alignment with this work and I feel like I've lived it for so long. I'm speaking from that wisdom and from my training, but I think there are times with that or feeling not good enough or feeling like the the online market's oversaturated people are already doing all this stuff already even though I know I'm I'm talking about something different than most people are in certain ways and then you feel like oh, I'm, other people are gonna get there before me it's it's so many different like limiting beliefs and fears you can like see your wounds that you might hold in your life maybe relationally or even financially or um, whatever it may be and how like this path of starting a business can just bring up all of that stuff. And essentially, you know, you do so much work for free. You do so much work and you don't end up being paid. Like you're just putting in all this effort for a you know hope hoping for you know an outcome later well you will you know get paid for all that time and effort that you put in so I share this just because like that's 
you know, you can imagine going through these things are going to be like um, a crazy catalyst for growth and healing. And so I see this whole process as being a big part of my healing journey. Absolutely. And through all of this, I've just really believed in this whole thing. I just really believe that this is needed, that it's helpful, like everything that I do for my business. And I really believe that it's all going to work. And I think once I started this, you know, two years ago, I I knew what I was doing. You know, I think even when the, the pre-thoughts of like wanting to start a podcast or start a business used to be very much around nutrition and, and gut health like many years ago. And then, you know, the whole nervous system and somatic piece and trauma piece came in before I started this business two years ago. That's always been a big focus of mine and kind of my niche. But um, it just continues to evolve the more and more I'm here recording an episode and talking about this world and you know, creating a program. And now so much of that information is so integrated within me, which is really cool. And, you know, years and years back when this first, I think when I was traveling, I got the idea of how cool would it be to like run my own like nutrition practice online and I could do it from anywhere in the world and have that freedom and flexibility. And I think that was like the initial inspiration to get into this. But then as I started training and as I really began this process of recording the podcast and making content and building this business, it just was this moment of, oh, this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I'm meant to do. This is so in alignment with me. This is obviously my purpose. I have been able to look back at everything I did in my life up until this point, like all the jobs that I had, all the different jobs and the things that I studied in school and the things that I learned from my own life experience all led me to this point of creating this business and it all clicked and it was like oh well here we go (laughs) this is what I meant to do and once you know I found that I just there's no other option for me it's like I just can't imagine there's no I don't have a plan b this is my plan. This is what I meant to do. And I think that mindset and that feeling behind the mindset, because it's not just about tricking my mind into being like, okay, you know, you know, like mindset work sure can be helpful, but if we don't actually feel it, like it's not that helpful, right? So this is like a feeling. I feel it with my entire body and being of like, this is what I meant to do. There's no other option for me. And that's not to be delusional or anything. I'm sure if I needed to find another option at some point, I would. That's fine. But that's how I feel about it. So it's been really cool to see that unfold over the last two years and just see my own knowledge um, and wisdom of the material and the content and this work um, just integrate and become so much more solid within me and so much more embodied within me and of course i've been doing my somatic experiencing training these last two years as well i've just entered my third and final year and so having that 
as this continued education and training has been amazing. It's deepened my knowledge of the nervous system and trauma work so greatly. And that's led me to um, really developing my approach and my beliefs around this work right now that is a little bit different from when I started. So I'm going to get into some of those. So one of the things that I've really come to know and believe and emphasize is that true healing, right? Like we talk about the healing journey, you know, and I use the word healing a lot. It's in my program name, Gut Brain Healing Toolkit. Um, I talk about it here. I talk about my healing journey. I talk about your healing journey. And I know for some people that word can be a little bit like, ugh, roll your eyes, like it's overused. So I really emphasize that what I believe true healing is, is building resiliency. That's building resiliency in the nervous system because that allows us to respond differently to stress. And for those of us who have IBS, stuck in the IBS stress cycle, other gut-brain symptoms, we know that our body's response to stress has a huge impact on our gut symptoms. Also, our body's response to stress has a huge impact on our nervous system. And if you've been listening for a while, you know how important the nervous system is to our gut-brain health. So when we build resiliency inside our nervous system, we are able to repattern our nervous system, maybe from patterns we developed at a really young age where our system learned how to respond to stress. And maybe it's overreacting to stressors or reacting to a stressor that isn't really there, but maybe is in our past. And it can lead us to feeling a lot more anxiety in our life or hypervigilance, um, or you know OCD or overthinking or it can be on the other end where we're you know feeling just really depressed and dissociated so when we teach the nervous system resiliency we're able to kind of repattern some of these deep-seated patterns we may have in our nervous system and we're able to actually then respond differently to stressors in the moment which we know changes our entire life it changes our relationships and um how we are able to you know go about our day-to-day feeling you know just more safe and grounded and connected and present and it also changes our symptoms so that's what true healing is because for some of us with some of the symptoms that we have they may never go away and that's okay because if we could shift our relationship to those things and greatly reduce them if they do flare up then we're not so impacted by it and we've learned what our body is telling us when this symptom flares up we understand more of where it came from how it was developed throughout our life so now we have a better understanding of how to nourish ourselves and move through that symptom and we're able to actually think about it differently too and not feel so defeated and debilitated and down about it we can also build resiliency in the microbiome the microbiome ideally is a really 
resilient thing. So if we, you know, go through periods of stress, if we have to take a round of antibiotics, if we get food poisoning, or even if we, you know, don't eat the best diet, like on vacation or, you know, for periods of time, ideally our microbiome is resilient enough that it can bounce back from those antibiotics or that stress and not be so highly impacted where, you know, we are getting dysbiosis or overgrowths of candida or SIBO or whatever it may be, or, you know, intestinal permeability. So we also look to build a really resilient microbiome and just gut lining and overall gut ecosystem as well. And that's what I do in the work. Um, uh, especially of, in my program. So much of it is about building resiliency in our nervous system and then building resiliency in our gut and microbiome. And when we have that, we can go about the inevitable stressors of life and maybe some of those inevitable symptom flare-ups and bounce back more quickly. So that's a big one. Um... Another one is just around trauma healing in general. I know that a lot of us want to heal fast. We want to feel better. We want to not be so triggered anymore by things. But I've just come to learn time and time again that trauma healing is slow. It's gentle. It's subtle. It takes time. And it's really important that it's that way because often trauma is something that happened too fast, too soon, for too long. So we don't want to give that same response to the nervous system if we go in too fast and try to heal the trauma or we do you know address something too soon or we spend too long with something it has the risk of re-traumatizing us so that's why it's so so important to do it safe and slowly and gently and just know that it's gonna take time and the body is truly our guide here listening to the cues of the body that's what i'm always doing when i'm working with a client making sure i'm catching those moments before we're going too soon too fast or too long with something right we we dance between going into a bit of that trauma vortex just to the right amount of activation and then coming out and deactivating into the counter vortex and doing that dance between the two is what builds resiliency which leads to true healing so Um, My overall understanding of trauma and how it impacts the body has greatly improved, of course, through my training and just my work with clients and my work with myself and understanding that it's slow, it's gentle, it takes time. And, uh, you know, again, a big part of that healing is really being compassionate and empathetic with ourselves in that process, giving ourselves a lot of self-compassion and non-judgment, really quieting that inner critic because that inner critic wants to come in and be like, what's wrong with you? Why haven't you healed this yet? Why aren't you feeling better? Why can't you stop reacting in that way? Like, why is your anxiety still here? Right? I mean, I still struggle with that greatly. Like for me right now, my gut symptoms are pretty much non-existent, but I feel like my anxiety and my OCD has kind of ramped up. And a part of that is because, you know, often when we're healing, like if, if we get a cut on our body somewhere, Often that wound needs to inflame first before it starts the healing process. And I think it's the same with emotional and mental wounds, right? Sometimes the things that we're working on healing will kind of feel like they inflame first. Um, It almost feels like they can like increase. 
And that's okay. That can be part of the process. And so I'm just noticing how some of those things have increased for me, but I'm bringing more attention and awareness to it and um, working on its healing. So yeah, really having that self-compassion for ourselves, really trying to quiet that inner critic, you know, allowing ourselves to have ease and rest and grace with the healing process, not having unrealistic expectations of when we should be healed or how we should be healed or any of that. Just really, really like being that parent to yourself, really looking at the things that you're experiencing as your wounded inner child and really being that loving parent to that child. That's how we want to talk to ourselves. And that in itself is extremely healing. Um, speaking of the inner child, I've just learned through these last two years how much is in childhood. That's why I ask every client a lot about their childhood when we first meet in an initial consult. I'm not doing as many one-on-ones anymore and doing more of my program, but I have a whole section in there that helps us explore that. And when I meet with people in office hours, I do the same. I really want to understand what developed for them in childhood because so, so much of the things that we struggle with, especially if we've struggled with them for a long time, especially if they've been chronic, um, they often have some sort of tie to childhood. And I've talked about this before in other podcasts, but when we are born, we are so dependent on our caregivers for everything, right? But our nervous system is dependent on co-regulating with our caregivers, which teaches our nervous system how to regulate itself. And it teaches us what's safe and unsafe in the world. So we're picking up that information from our caregivers, but we're also picking up that information from our environment. So you can, you know, see if your environment is scary or unsafe, or if your parents caregivers are unable to co-regulate themselves or have an addiction or are you know neglectful or abusive just how impactful that is at that time we're also learning how we respond to stress given what our caregivers do when there's something stressful at the same time from you know zero to three our microbiome is developing it's established by age three it's developing alongside our brain and our gut's own nervous system. So the gut brain is developing alongside the microbiome as well, creating that gut brain microbiome axis. But also our stress response, our HPA axis is also developing at that same time. And it's learning from our microbiome how to respond to stress. They're influencing each other along with the nervous system. So so much of what can set us up for having, you know, a really sensitive stress response or a, you know, poor microbiome health or poor gut brain communication or poor gut health in general is in these early years, not to mention however, you know, our mother was doing when we were in the womb, all the things that can be passed down there, what can be passed down intergenerationally and just how so we're just so impacted as children, you know, beyond age three, from three to 18, right? That's our inner child years. And 
we don't have the full cognitive development to understand why things might be happening we can really believe a lot of things happen because we're not good enough we're too much we're wrong we're bad whatever and it just sets up this belief system within us and it's a time that we learn protective mechanisms and management strategies to keep ourselves safe but then when we get to adulthood those things are actually doing us more disservice than good so you can see just how much is in the childhood time so um that is always an important place to look uh, the other things, um, just thinking a lot about how important it is to be validated, seen, and heard, and often that's just one of the first steps. That's like something I always just try to establish with clients. Sometimes, depending on the client and what trauma they've endured, you just spend a lot of time being an empathetic person they can co-regulate with and really just see them and hear them and validate them. And for many of us, we weren't seen or heard or validated as children. Uh, or maybe a trauma we went through wasn't validated, seen, heard. Maybe um, our truth, maybe boundaries we tried to set, or just having symptoms that doctors brush off or nobody really understands. We might not feel validated or really heard in those things. So how important it is to, I mean, really work with a practitioner who can do that for you or a therapist who can hold that space for you, but also the people in our life, um, how important those connections and community is for our health and our well-being because we are communal creatures. We are hardwired for connection and we need that. Thinking a lot about anxiety and OCD, being that that's something that I experience, I've been learning a lot about OCD in the last two years because it's only been in the last two years I've really come to understand that I have OCD. Um, and I made a really great episode all about that, so you can go listen to that if you want to learn more. But it's been helpful for me to understand the difference between anxiety and OCD. They're very intertwined, but I really understand now why I've developed OCD as one of my protective mechanisms or management strategies that I would have learned early on. There might be some genetic aspects too, but often, you know, epigenetics, right? Given our environment and co-regulation with our caregivers that can turn on certain genes. So I think some of it has been passed down. Um, I was probably born just more prone towards anxiety. So really learning how to befriend these things. This is why I really like parts work for this, which is something I offer in my program or with clients. Um, but it's been really helpful for me to speak to OCD and learn a lot more about it and learn how to befriend anxiety. Because remember, anxiety is not bad and we label it as bad all the time. Oh, I have so much anxiety. This is horrible. But anxiety is a really important survival mechanism, part of our fight or flight response that we need. And if we don't have it, like we might die. We need anxiety to survive. So um, learning how to befriend your anxiety and not run away from it, but you know, develop a different relationship with it and be able to use these somatic tools, nervous system regulation tools, you know, repatterning the nervous system, building resiliency. Um, working with deeper traumas to help create more safety within our system and teach it that it doesn't have to be in that anxiety so much and really learn how to appreciate our anxiety for what it's tried to do for us. I mean, really, we're just trying to really appreciate all our different protective mechanisms and parts of ourselves. Same with the OCD. That's another part of me that's trying to protect me. So 
learning how to also have compassion for those parts of ourselves. Um, now I'll speak to something where I started off the two years ago having this general idea that like, yeah, if you have dysbiosis or SIBO or candida overgrowth, let's use antimicrobials. Let's eradicate those things. And I feel like I would recommend those to clients right away. Um, and now I have a totally different view and approach on that. And, you know, this would often be done after I'd run a stool test. My views on stool tests have changed a lot too. I, I even started running like a GI map. I don't really like to run those anymore just because there is a practitioner who I like her work and she did a couple tests from the same stool sample and they showed discrepancies in the results and again stool tests aren't perfect I started off two years ago being like stool tests are great and you know this GI map is amazing and we need it to know what's going on and now I don't really believe that and I, I still like to utilize stool tests because they do give us some insight they are like a snapshot into what might be going on in the microbiome because we don't really have a way to truly test the microbiome yet we're just testing the stool and so the stool isn't like exactly what's going on in the microbiome but it gives us a snapshot it gives us an overall picture to see like if there is something going on that's concerning so I still like to use them but I don't recommend them as much as I did in the past and I don't think they're absolutely necessary and I definitely don't start anymore with you should use antimicrobials um even in the first round of the gut brain healing toolkit the modules were organized differently and I kind of started with going through like yeah let's look at the gut brain connection and the vagus nerve and then let's look at the entire digestive process and find out what's going wrong and then let's look at your microbiome and then we'll look at your nervous system and i did that because i just wanted people to feel set up with the digestive bits and then go into the deeper stuff but then i realized that wasn't correct because now i'm like no getting into like the microbiome is like the last step, you know, and looking at how to support your gut. That's like not the first step at all because, you know, gut brain healing follows the top to bottom process. So that means it's starting in the brain and the nervous system. So that's where I want to support people first and making sure then every step from there is supported with the last step being using antimicrobials to eradicate SIBO or dysbiosis, if even needed. And a cool thing I learned in this last year was I retested my stool after like maybe it was three years ago, I did my last one, and it still showed that I have severe severe dysbiosis like a lot of overgrown bad bacteria and a but a pretty good amount of good bacteria so that's great but the thing is like i said my symptoms are gone so i realize that that has been such a testament to this approach and how working with my nervous system and my past trauma and then focusing more on the top upper parts of my digestive health which i had to do for a long time okay like i was supporting my stomach acid and enzyme production for years before i felt like i could actually not need to use those supplements anymore and i've had to work a lot on you know my negative mindset around food and 
my symptoms and healing and what I think about eating and my meal hygiene. And all of those things have come before, like, like my dysbiosis is still there, but I have no symptoms anymore. And so many doctors and practitioners will lead you to believe that, well, okay, of course you have all these symptoms because you have this imbalance in your microbiome. And it's like, let's make sure all these other pieces are really set in place first. And even your lifestyle aspects are supported before we come in and use an antimicrobial because no, it's not an antibiotic, but it still can do some widespread, you know, have a widespread impact on our entire microbiome. So um, that has been a huge, huge, huge change for me in my approach. And again, it's not sexy. It's not a quick fix. It's that slow, gentle, sustainable healing. And that's why some people are like, but I don't want that. I want to do the low FODMAP diet and take this, you know, protocol because then I feel like I'm actually doing something. And it's like, okay, but how many times have you done that protocol and you're like, dysbiosis or SIBO are still there and now you've probably just done like more harm than good right like let's get these other pieces set into place before you bring that in and so for me personally now that I feel like all my other pieces are set in place now I feel comfortable actually coming in and addressing the dysbiosis with a supplement protocol that I've created for myself my diet isn't changing at all if anything What's been really cool is my diet has just grown um, more, like I can eat so many more things. I I used to not be able to tolerate grains or like high fiber foods or legumes um, or even dairy or whatever it may be. And now I can tolerate all that stuff. I can bring a lot more fiber into my diet and I don't fear food. I don't fear that like, oh, like this dairy is going to make me feel bad or like, oh, this is like too much sugar or like, oh, this isn't macro balanced or whatever. I'm just like, I want to eat and I want to like, I know I'm still eating really great whole food and have flexibility and it's so freeing to have that. Again, it takes time though. None of this is a quick fix. So if you're looking for a quick fix, you're not going to find it here. (laughs) So that's... um. A lot of what I feel like I've really learned, especially around the work that I do and and what I teach. So if I kind of reflect on just general life (laughs) over the last two years and years and general life learning, um, you know, man, a lot has gone on and Um, a big part of my process over the last couple years has been probably some of the most intense and deep healing work that I've done. And I'm still, um, going to be releasing my travel stories episodes. Um, next is New Zealand and then it goes, I'll probably just jump to my time down in Central and South America. Um, I don't want to totally ruin any of those stories from there, but those were some powerful, powerful times. And um, I might have shared this already in my first episode, but 
I, you know, so I had been traveling for five years full time. And the last place I was at the end of that five years was Peru, which was just a crazy spiritual experience. I'm really excited to get into those stories. And I had my 28th or 29th birthday. Again, time has been so skewed in my brain. Um, and I went and sat in ayahuasca ceremony, um, the day after my birthday. And I got this like really clear message that it was time to go home. You know, I didn't need to like work with that medicine anymore at this time and that I needed to go home and work on my family stuff. And so for me, I was like, oh, and also to like meditate, get a meditation practice and to play music. And so for me, I thought, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll go home. I got to just start meditating. (laughs) Um, yeah, play music and like, oh, work on family stuff. So that means just like being home so I could like connect with family, you know, like connect with some of the people in my family maybe I feel a bit distanced from and whatnot. Oh no, that is not what that message was. I came home (laughs) and, you know, throughout my 20s, right, I'm, I'm in my 20s. It's a time of like exploration and For me, it was a lot of exploration and adventure and discovering myself. And I never, ever, ever felt like I was running away from anything. And I remember people along my travels being like, oh, you've been traveling for a long time. Like sometimes people would ask me, what are you running from? And I was like, nothing. Like I feel like I'm running towards myself. So I I feel like I attended to a lot of my healing journey through my travels and you'll hear about that in my travel story series and especially as I continue on those episodes um, which I'll be doing here soon but you know you also have to realize that or I also had to realize that when you are traveling um, you are constantly seeing new things meeting new people being in new places there's a lot of external stimulation Um, that's exciting and new and fresh sometimes it can be really really stressful as well like it's not all just like wonderful but having all that external stimulation and external exploration and adventure it can be distracting it makes it a lot easier to not necessarily go internal and sit with some of the things that you're dealing with internally right And so while I wasn't intentionally distracting myself and I was still attending to my healing journey through my travels, and I think that they supported each other really well, returning back home to the the land that I grew up on, being around family, (laughs) which can be very triggering, um, and slowing down and like kind of staying in one spot because remember in those five years the longest I lived in one place was like eight months right it was a lot of being on the go and being in flight mode right like that's my um my nervous system pattern is to be in a flight response so slowing down i've talked about this before a lot especially for those of us who tend to be in fight or flight can feel really uncomfortable and things can rise to the surface that we were able to just kind of push aside and ignore while you know we were out doing 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 going 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 being in new places all the time so i feel like 
things started to kind of naturally rise to the surface. There was something too about just the timing in my life. I remember turning 30 and that feeling like so much started to really bubble up. And here I was like really wanting to attend to my healing journey. And then I got into a relationship um, when I was 29 after taking some time um, not being in any kind of relationship or um, I, I took some celibate time. And, you know, relationships tend to be these incredible teachers for us. They're these really big mirrors. And for many of us, a lot of our wounds are triggered in relationships because, well, so much of our, you know, early developmental trauma or wounding comes from that time, right, when we were co-regulating with our caregivers. And sometimes our caregivers let us down or are straight out, you know, neglectful or abandon us or abuse us. We develop our own attachment styles, typically avoidant or anxious or disorganized or maybe secure if we're really lucky. Um, You know, for me, I've always kind of had a father wound given that my father suffered from an addiction and that really impacted our ability to connect. But that runs deeper than just, you know, with him, but he also had a father wound. My mother also had a father wound. If I look back at both my grandmothers, they also had father wounds. So there's so much that comes up in relationship. Um, and it's really confronting and it's, it can be extremely difficult. And so again, when thinking about like, oh, you're going to go back and work on your family stuff. So there was kind of, there's two things contributing to that. It's like, oh, here you are. You're not like on the go anymore. You're back in the homeland. You're interacting with family. You know, there's a lot here, right? This like energetic level of this is like where you grew up, you know, like there's just a lot that can come from that space and kind of the age and where I was at my healing journey. And then also getting into a relationship, which can bring up a lot of that family stuff, like that old inner child wounding. And in this relationship, our individual like childhood woundings just kind of really like rubbed up against each other really well i i explain it as though you know if my wounding was like this father wound where essentially like i'm always feeling like disappointed by the masculine by men you know um or not chosen or not loved um something like that right that's going to create like a feedback or an energy and for this partner his wound tended to be more of like not feeling good enough and so you can see how my wounding could perpetuate his wounding and just other aspects of our um, childhood wounds and experiences our inner children wounding and Um, kind of our sensitive nervous systems really contributed to what I see as an opportunity to do some really deep healing work. But that's not easy. (laughs) It's really, really not easy. Not everybody is up for that. And, you know, I, I understand that that 
isn't always the type of relationship people want, but I see that that is what happens. So I'm trying to find a way to talk about um, kind of this personal side of things where I'm a very open book. I'm very, I'm very comfortable being vulnerable and I really want to share about my inner world and experiences because I find that that can be a really valuable thing for people who are listening. I'm also trying to find this dance where I'm honoring and respecting this ex-partner of mine and not wanting to... I've, I've just always kind of danced very lightly with talking about relationships on this podcast. And so how I'm going to navigate this is really just talking about my experience a little bit and seeing how it's so interwoven with my healing journey. I also have been really deep in relationship study for, I mean, for many, many years, actually. I've always been really interested in relationships and have read many books and listened to podcasts and consumed content. You can do all that stuff, but once you get in a relationship, that doesn't mean that you're going to know exactly what to do because we're working with so much like deep inner shit. (laughs) So some of the best learning is going through a relationship, but you know, now um, I'm fresh out of another breakup with this person. And so those times when I'm going through breakup and I'm going through a lot of pain, I tend to um, find myself being really interested in learning again more about relationships and deepening my understanding there. And so I do actually want to offer a podcast episode where I'm going to share some things that I feel like I've really learned about relationships that have been really, really helpful to me. So that will be upcoming. But to just reflect on the last two years, um, there's been no doubt that this relationship has been a really important part of my healing journey and you might be like well how does a relationship connect to like your gut brain symptoms or your ibs and that's a fair thing to to wonder but again we have to look at this you know picture of how everything's interconnected right and if we think about someone who has chronic symptoms like i did for most of my life and i look back at my earlier years I'm going to see where I had certain wounds that were developed from my relationship with my parents or maybe even their relationship to each other, certain things that I learned about relationships and even my own like nervous system patterns and protective mechanisms and ways of feeling like certainty and in control, all of that develops from this early age. So as I've already mentioned, I have a father wound. Um, And then throughout my life, I've been hurt by men where I developed this belief that like I'm not fully chosen, right? Or I'm left for somebody else. Or if I don't give them the sex they want, they're going to leave me for someone else or not love me. Or I'm too much or I'm not good enough. You might be able to relate to some of these wounds. And they all started with my father, right? Because he couldn't be emotionally available to me and essentially choose me fully in the way I needed as a young girl because of his addiction. And therefore, I probably developed beliefs that I'm not 
good enough or maybe I'm too much because I'm too emotional or I'm too sensitive. And then from there, like, I don't know why the belief around sex came, maybe because of our society, um, but also probably stemming out of those beliefs of like, you know, wanting to feel fully chosen and loved. It's a very complicated web of things, right, that we all can carry. So when you think about those things, you can see how from, you know, as a kid, like the most important thing is to have like love and attention from our caregivers to feel safe, to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel validated. So if we're lacking any of that, that can become a trauma in our nervous system and our nervous system might adapt to that by creating a protective mechanism to help keep us safe. So for me, one of those things was, you know, anxiety and OCD as a way to gain certainty and to feel in control and maybe get ahead of any disappointment I might be feeling. So that's one way I can see that happening. Um, And then, of course, that would have contributed to my symptoms as well. So then as you go about your life and you become an adult and you start dating and people inevitably hurt you, right? Which I definitely went through some hurtful experiences. Those things can can perpetuate those wounds. And sometimes you can find healing through that, as I certainly have. Um, But I just see how, you know, being in relationship for me personally, has been a place of really immense growth. And particularly this last long-term relationship was probably the most growth-filled, deepest relationship that I've been in. And it taught me a lot about myself and the ways that I was still acting out of wounding inside of myself. And something that I started to experience that I hadn't experienced before was relationship anxiety and relationship OCD. And this started almost two years ago. So we were in relationship for, you know, just over three years um, with a, a breakup in there earlier this year for a short bit of time. And, you know, going into a relationship, I tended to experience more anxious attachment, more of that like, do they really love me? Are they seeing someone else? Are they like, do they like someone else? Are they going to leave me? And that came again from my childhood, right? And being someone who experienced anxiety and OCD, you can see how it all just kind of like is this negative feedback loop. And then therefore, if I'm having anxiety more amplified by my anxious attachment tendencies, then, you know, that could also be even impacting my nervous system, making me be in a little bit more fight or flight, or because I'm already in a flight response and a bit dysregulated, then it lends to me feeling more anxious attachment. So there's a a negative feedback loop there. And then we know if we're under, you know, anxiety, stress, fight or flight response, it can impact our physical symptoms. Um, And then of course, just like being triggered in relationship brings up some of those old woundings and often we might um, not be able to regulate our emotions or regulate our nervous system very well and it's an ongoing practice because in these intimate partnerships we might feel more easily triggered than we do anywhere else in our life and that is because we're reacting to really old childhood wounding 
and it's an opportunity to heal that stuff. But again, it's not easy and that stuff might come up. And then if we tend to already be dysregulated in our nervous system or have this past trauma, it can feel really, really hard to not react or not say things we don't want to say or not fall into our like wounded shame spiral, right? So it invites us to find a new way to heal um, those patterns in our nervous system and our trauma. It can be a really important way to heal. And as I said earlier, like healing in community and in connection and in co-regulation with people is so, so important and necessary for our healing. We're not doing it alone. And so being in an intimate relationship can actually provide a really beautiful opportunity to do that if both partners are willing to do that and understand that that's what's going on. Um, so in, you know, after a little over a year in, you know, that anxious attachment kind of shifted and I started to feel much more secure. There was a lot of security in the relationship and I actually started to feel this relationship, like really see a future and feel this person as my life partner and really want to like take those next steps for the future. And this was really the first time probably in my life in a relationship I felt that. So then guess what happens? <laughs> oh, this is what's just so oh, fucked up about the anxious mind is this is when I started to experience relationship anxiety and relationship OCD. And I may have experienced it in past relationships a bit for sure, but this time it was way more than ever before. And in learning about relationship OCD and relationship anxiety, it only happens in relationships that you really care about you know, that feel more serious, that like there's a lot at stake, right? Like a relationship that you're like, this is a really healthy or good relationship that I want or I want to move forward in it. So it switched. And if you're not familiar with relationship anxiety or relationship OCD, um, it's often um, kind of like intrusive thoughts where you're wondering like, oh, Am I really meant to be with my partner? What if someone else is better for me? What if they're not the one? You know, I didn't feel attracted to them last night. Does that mean that they're not the right partner? Or I am attracted to this other person? Or I didn't really feel like kissing them? Um, things like that. It's just like these doubts that creep in. And it's different than like intuition, right? Because intuition tends to be this pretty like, grounded, you know, kind of quiet voice of knowing that just kind of comes in. It's not like, you know, feeling intrusive and taking over your mind or waking you up in the middle of the night or like kind of replaying over and over and over again. It doesn't have like the physical sensations with it of like kind of like feeling anxious or whatever might be coming up if it's starting to impact your physical body and like maybe impact your sleep or, um, your appetite or whatever and you know we can kind of tell that it's more of that because it's a little bit more of that what if question like oh what if they're not the one what if we're not meant to be what if i'm supposed to be with someone else maybe this other person would um you know hit this mark and this mark and this mark or fit you know these needs better or whatever it may be right so that's a little bit more of that that anxious feeling and it also we can kind of tell it's relationship anxiety or ROCD because, you know, then if we, but we still love our partner, you know, we still want to be with them. We don't really necessarily want to like 
in the relationship. Like we still find value there. You know, we have really good moments of connection, but then it's just those moments where those thoughts come in and they create an anxiety response in our body. Um, And it can be tricky. It could be subtle. It can sneak in. And this was something that I started to experience. Um, And that has been (laughs) extremely challenging. And I've learned a lot (laughs) through this process. And it can be really hard to be like, well, is this relationship anxiety and relationship OCD? Or is this my intuition? Or am I settling? Or whatever it may be. But as someone who does experience anxiety and OCD in general, I was like, well, why couldn't this apply to relationships? And so I started to learn more about it and it just really resonated with me. It was like, you know, people were speaking directly to me when they were talking about what you experience with when you when you have these kinds of thoughts. And it helped me understand more about the difference between anxiety or fear and intuition and really um, begin to dive deeper into really focusing on working with my anxiety and OCD and learning about, you know, how it's so much a part of my IBS stress symptoms, but also seeing why I developed these things just on a deeper level and on a new level than I have before um, and be able to really see it as that protector part of me that really wants certainty and to feel in control because that's how I feel safe. So that's been a really big part of my learnings over the last two years and learning how to navigate that and as I mentioned, just, you know, take more of a embraced like mindset of like, yeah, this is something that I experience and that's okay. I know it's just a part of me that's been trying to protect me and keep me safe. It feels safe when it feels in control and has certainty and learning how to be more comfortable with not having that certainty and not being in control. Um, And that's been a really really big part of um how i've been supporting my my nervous system and healing some of my past trauma Um, just because so much of my stuff is really like subtle um trauma within you know um that attachment like i just have a lot of like attachment wounding and trauma so working with that Um, has been really really beneficial to my overall health like my my gut um, my nervous system and it's a it's a hard journey when it gets into like more of the mental health components and it's something that you've been doing all your life like all my life I've been more prone to anxiety and OCD Um, it can be really tough and as I said before as you start to bring your attention to it it can seem like it's almost flaring before it gets better and I think again in the example of a relationship like when it's a relationship that matters that's important that's when it can really flare up because again it wants you to feel safe it wants you to find certainty so understanding 
more about anxiety and OCD through these different lenses, like even through the relationship aspect and understanding my past trauma in this like attachment wounding helps me understand anxiety more and really just see it as just this like, oh, this little part of me that's really trying to protect me and wanting certainty. And I'm learning more about how to catch those ways that I'm looking for certainty or reinsurance and try to stop rumination, try to stop compulsions. And it's developed a lot more self-compassion for myself, which has been a really beautiful and special thing. So that's a bit more of just kind of my personal healing journey the last two years and what I feel like I've been very focused on, as I mentioned too, just in terms of my gut health. Um, Things have been going really well for me over the past two years. Um, And a lot of that's just been focusing on the approach that I teach people and bring people through in the program. And so, you know, at this point in my healing journey, so much of it has been about um, looking at these things. Well, um, I think that's going to be it for today. I'm sure there's plenty more that I've learned and that has happened over the last two years, but that is, um, that's enough of a dive for now. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you've been here since the beginning, I appreciate you so, so, so much. Um, I really love doing this work. I love doing this podcast. I appreciate everyone who listens, um, who shares the podcast with others. It means so much if you're able to download episodes and subscribe. That helps the podcast, you know, get higher in the charts and reach more people. If you set up the podcast to like automatically download new episodes um once an episode is released this there's like this kind of like 24-hour period that the number of downloads that happens is supposed to you know help it reach more people and also leaving comments like leaving reviews um particularly on itunes because that's the only place you can leave a comment really can make a difference um i want to just announce too that i'm going to be doing my free masterclass again in january So if you're interested in getting a spot, you can go get on the waitlist right now. There's a link in the show notes um, and that's going to be happening um, mid-January. And then the doors to the Gut Brain Healing Toolkit is going to be opening again for those of you who are ready to start the year, um, finding such a deeper level of healing and freedom from your chronic IBS stress symptoms and really transforming your life so uh you can also get on the wait list for that down in the show notes um as always i hope you have a regulated and resilient day before you go i just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in if you enjoy this show please subscribe leave a rating or review and share it that helps it reach others who will benefit from this information So much gratitude for you. Have a beautiful day.